You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. And into this conversation from uh, here to there and back again, it's been kind of like an A to B to A, kind of explained that in each week. And so we've looked at different aspects along the line of Jesus. Last week, we began to look at Jesus post planet, so to speak. He came here. This was not his uh, origination, but it was a visitation for Christ. In other words, earth for us is origination. That means that we were born here, conceived here and all that. Jesus was, was existing before he came to the earth. So this was more of a visitation more than it was an origination. So in his 33 years here on the planet, we looked at the things that he did. And now we're post that. And uh, last week we looked at the Holy Spirit and and how uh, Jesus had to to be glorified. He had to go through death and resurrection before he could impact the world in a new and fresh way with the Holy Spirit. This week, we look at a, 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 another thing that Jesus is doing now, currently, while he is, in, uh, he is not on the planet any longer. And it might be surprising for some of you. Uh, it may not be for others, but it, what, what we see Jesus up to these days uh, is it might just say, wow, I didn't know that. I'm hoping that's the case for some of you. Again, for some of you uh, that are maybe more seasoned, you're like, yeah, I kind of knew that. But we're going to take a look at it, and I hope that it will refresh it, because we don't speak too often about this part of what Jesus is doing. Now, some of you may say, hey, I thought Jesus was kind of, you know, he was, he did his thing, and now it's, you know, he's just kind of resting until, you know, the end of time and when he kind of kicks it in, right? I mean, after all, on the cross, he did say, it is finished. And some people might misinterpret that, think, okay, that's, you know, I've done my job, and now I'm retiring. Verses like this in Mark chapter 6. 16 don't help with that because after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up to heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. And some people are like, see, I told you, all he's doing is sitting around, right? He, he, sit, he just sat down beside, uh, you know, on the right hand of the Father. And really that doesn't mean that he's not, he, that he's inactive. That right hand of the Father is the power, the, the arm of God. He is the strength of God. We know from other places in the scripture, like John chapter 14, where Jesus is talking about going away in John 14 too. He says, I'm going there to have him to prepare a place for you. So we know, wow, okay, that, that gives us a little glimpse of what's happening as we sing today. Even when we don't know it, he's working. Even though we don't feel it, he's working. He is active. He is doing something. One of the things I want to point out to you, so when we say from here to there, often what we mean is we, we kind of think about where we're at but you have to think through Jesus's perspective from from him for him, because earth was not an origination. Right. It was a visitation for him. Here was heaven. So when he went to there, he came to earth. So so on that day in the fullness of time, when, as the Bible says, and he and the father and the Holy Spirit determined, OK, this is the day that you will be conceived as an as an infant in the city of Bethlehem, on the timeline of all of history, this is the moment. In that moment, this became there. 
for, for Jesus. Are you following? In other words, he was in heaven. That was his home here. He came there, which is, is earth. So it's a little reverse. He came here to us, but for him, it was a there. In other words, he was going away from heaven down to earth as a there, and now he's back again. So the, the disciples pray, you know, they said to Jesus, hey, teach us to pray. And one of the things of, of what we would call the Lord's Prayer is that uh, part of that is uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those two things should align. Well, the reverse of that is true also, that what Jesus did on earth He's also doing on heaven, in heaven. In other words, he's not doing something different there than he is here. Even last week, we didn't get too deep into it, but even here, uh, when we, you know, we had to be glorified. After his death and resurrection, he came upon the disciples, a small group on them, and it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he started things here that he's still doing there. If he were doing something completely different, then it would be like, wow, that's that's a little bit crazy. Let me go a little deeper. When in the in the Old Testament, if, if I asked the common person on the street and said, hey, what part of the Bible, if you knew anything about the Bible, what part of the Bible has Jesus in it? They'd say the New Testament. But if you study the Bible, we see Jesus, what's called the pre-incarnate Jesus, before he walked in the flesh. We see him showing up, like in the book of Daniel. Hey, I see a fourth man, you know, with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I I see a fourth guy in there. looks like the son of uh, of man, son of God. Yeah, that's right, because it was. He he appeared in different places, as we're going to see even today. So Jesus was doing the same thing before he came to earth. He did the same thing when he came to earth, and he's doing the same thing before, after he came to earth. Why is that important? Why do I make a big deal about that? The reason is that it helps us understand what he's doing right now because it's not any different than what he did when he was here. Otherwise, it might be a little bit more difficult to, to, uh, to believe. So, ex- for example, if I move to Boston... And you hadn't seen me for a few years. And you say, some of you are talking at lunch. Say, hey, I wonder what happened to McCoy. I wonder what he's doing. Well, he moved to Boston. Oh, really? Yeah, what's he doing? He's playing professional hockey. Like, huh, that is really unusual. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he's playing Bru- for the Bruins. Is that the hockey team for Boston? Okay, good. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, see? So uh, that, wouldn't that be weird? Like, all of a sudden you heard, like, I was all of a sudden playing. Because, but if I were, like, a pro hockey player here and I moved there, like, oh, that's cool. He just switched teams, right? He just switched locations, and he's doing the same thing. So what am I talking about? We sang today, Waymaker. Jesus was a Waymaker on earth. He's a Waymaker in heaven. Miracle worker. He worked miracles here. Do you think he just stopped making miracles? So there's something about Jesus we're going to really pinpoint today because I, he's doing a lot of things. But there's this one thing that really is relevant for us today. Jesus is intervening. Jesus, the Bible word is interceding. Okay, let's take a look. Watch this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 34... Jesus, Christ Jesus, who died, and more than that, was raised to life, is seated at the right hand of God, as we said, Saul, he's the the strength of, of, of God, and is also interceding for us. So we're talking about, not in the past, not in the future, we're talking about right now. He is interceding for us. Now, what does that mean? Well, the definition of interceding is intervening on someone else's behalf. 
It's as if you go to court and you have someone say, hey, just pipe it down. Let me do it for you. Let me speak for you. Let me say the words for you. You know, a lot of lawyers, they don't want their client to say anything because they're intervening for them. When we saw Jesus before he became in the flesh, when we see him, for example, like I mentioned in the book of Daniel, He's intervening for them in that fiery furnace. He's stepping in for them. In fact, when you begin to look at his appearances in the Old Testament, often he's saying, let me, let me take this. I'm going to intercede. He's, and he, one, of, one of the modes of interce- uh, intervening or interceding is prayer. That's where we're going to land today. So it may be a surprise to you. That Jesus right now is praying for you. He is stepping in in prayer. So because sometimes, you know, we think, oh, I, I remember the pictures as a kid. You know, Jesus is praying on the rock and everything. You know, he's got the robe on and all that jazz. And, and that was then, but not now. Oh, yeah. Jesus is praying for you right now. And let me say it. If Jesus is not praying for you right now, good luck because you're going to need it. That's how important it's how powerful it is. So I want to take just a few of the areas that we saw Jesus praying on earth. And then we see him praying the same thing in heaven for us right now. They're really, really important. First of all, Jesus, believe it or not, is praying for those who have yet to believe. He is praying for unbelievers. Now, why is this important? Okay, you came to church today. You turned in online. Maybe you came with a friend. Maybe someone invited you. Or maybe you're like me that you came by yourself because when I first came to church, I came by myself because inwardly there was this civil war going on that I'm like, man, it seems like life is going okay. But there's this other part of me that is just like chewing me up. I, I feel like there's something beyond everyday life, and I, I didn't know it was God. I just began, like, hey, where do you go? I go to a church. You know, I went to different other religious organizations, too, but I was looking for that. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've come in today and somebody invited you. Maybe that you got the churn going, that search for, for something deeper. Jesus is actually praying for you. And here's why that makes a difference, because he wants it more than you do. I promise you, if you are a believer in Christ and you are in relationship with someone in your family, someone, a friend, somebody at work, and you're like, man, I really, I really so want them to experience what it is to have life from Christ. And you're like, man, I'm praying for them. Jesus has been praying for them longer than you have. Jesus is praying for them more passionately. Jesus is as passionate as she is. That's amazing. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so uh, there, there is this thing that, and what it does for us as believers, if I might address you for a second, what it does for us is that we're not out there alone. We are not, we are in partnership with a praying Savior. Put your, put your seatbelt on. Watch this. While Jesus was on earth, think, really, was he praying for those who didn't believe yet? While he was hanging on the cross, he prayed for those who were executing him. He was intervening for them to the Father. 
He was trying to say, let me be your advocate, even though you are my adversary. Listen, the words on the cross, Luke 23. uh, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they're completely unaware of what their actions mean and what they're doing. They, They do not know what they are doing. Forgive them. That's unbelievable that Christ is praying for those who are killing him, are murdering him, are executing him in that moment. Charles Spurgeon, I'm telling you, man, I've read three Charles Spurgeon. If you never read Spurgeon, I highly recommend it. This guy, you know, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, I it happened in my day. You know, I've, I've worked hard playing piano. Then you you hear like an expert, you know, like a concert pianist who's, you know, playing cardio. I'm like, no, I'm not a piano player. I, you know, that's... You read a sermon like Charles Spurgeon, like, wow, what am I doing? I should just give up. Watch. Spurgeon says these words. Before you know yourselves to be transgressors, okay? Big word for you're apart from God. You're in, a, in that, that moment where you haven't made that relationship with God yet. Before you even know it. Before you know yourselves to be transgressors. And before you have any desire for forgiveness or pardon, While you are still laying dead in your sin, Jesus' intercession has gone up even for such as you are. Think about that. Father, forgive them was a prayer for those who had never sought forgiveness from themselves. And when you feel so guilty, so ashamed, and when you dare not pray for yourselves, He's still praying for you. When you're under a sense of sin, you dare not lift so much as your eyes toward heavens. When you think, surely it would be in vain for me to seek my heavenly Father's face, because how could he love someone like me? He is actually pleading for you. Think about that. If you ever wondered, because some of you, some of you grew up like I did. That God had this gigantic black marker that every time you blew it, there's another one. And some, for some reason, it was in stone, you know. So when I came to Christ, and maybe someone will relate to this, I thought, it's too late. I've done this. I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. Oh, man, I did the big one. I did that other big one. Uh, I have biggie sized this thing, you know. And when I recognized that I could come to a father, a God who was different than the God I had painted in my head, what a glorious moment. If you think that God cannot love you, it's more than he he loves you. You have a savior that's actually on his knees praying for you to come. It's stunning. Why is this? Watch 1 Timothy chapter 2. Because God wants all people to be saved. May I just point out something here for all of you theological studiers. He says God wants all people to be saved. He doesn't say God makes all people to be saved. That is his desire, but he has still given us a free choice. You can say no. To God, he has given you that dangerous choice. God wants, desires, hopes, prays that all people will be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth that Christ is the only Savior of the world. Why? For there is one God and one intervener, 
one intercessor, one mediator, one advocate, one attorney that will plead your case for you between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who proved his love by giving himself as a ransom for you. He already paid the price. My God, what a Savior we have. Just unbelievable. I wonder to the extent when he said, when we read that God wants all people to be saved, how big is that want? You know what I mean? I want to, I want to, you know, look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm halfway there, I feel. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we want a lot of things. But how big is that want? Isaiah chapter 53. Before Christ visited the planet, Jesus poured his life out unto death. That's how bad he wanted it. And he was numbered among the transgressors. In other words, he became part of the number of the population of us, broken, bruised. He became part of all of us. He was numbered with the transgressors. There were three on the cross, the crosses that day. There were three crosses. He was numbered with the transgressors. The Bible says he who knew no sin became a transgre- in transgression. He became transgression for us. That's how bad he wants it. How bad does God want you to come to him if you are exploring? He gave everything, his life to become sin so that you could come and embrace forgiveness and have no sin accounted to your balance. We come to heaven and you think, I hope my balance is good enough based on my good works. It will never be. It's only Christ who took your balance down to zero so that when you stand before Christ, you owe him nothing. There is no credit that you owe because Christ has paid your entire account. That's who we have as a Savior. For he bore the sins of many. Watch. And here it is. He made intercession for the transgressors. He's praying for those people who are looking for him. Now watch this. He's doing it right now. Christ is, present time, Hebrews chapter 7, Christ is able to save. Oh, I love this word. I just got chill bumps. Completely. What if he could only save just the not so bad stuff? What if he's like, wow, I can't cover that, bro. (laughs) And you got there into heaven and there was only 1% of your transgression there. You could not stand in the presence of a God who is 100% perfect. He's able to save completely those who come to God through him. Why? Because he always lives in the present tense and the future to intercede for those who are lost. Before I move from this point, let me ask you, are you searching for God. Are you wondering in your mind, I wonder if God and I could be okay. I don't know any greater argument than what you've just heard. That Christ prayed for transgressors, for sinners like you and me, 
We see it in the Old Testament. We see it when he was on earth. And we see he's still at it. He's still praying. He's on his knees for you. He's on his knees for you. Perhaps you could do a, a transplant in your mind. If you think God is a hard God, if you think God is an unloving God, if you think God is a fault-finding God, maybe you could transplant this picture. Your God is on his knees for you. Let me speak to, to those who, of us who are believers. How bad do we want what God wants? How bad when it comes to our friends who are not in relationship with Christ yet, how bad do we want? Because we just read that he always lives to intercede for them. How is our prayer life, not in general, but our prayer life for those who have yet to believe? When you pray for those who have yet to believe, you're in partnership with God. I have, as I've told you before, the luxury of rubbing shoulders with those around the world. We have a team this week that is in four new countries in Africa off the southeast coast, uh, Madagascar, Comoros, Mauritius, and uh, Reunion. And uh, they're tracking, you know, always tracking on their phone. And I just watched yesterday 10 hours in a van just packed full to bring the gospel to those who have yet to believe. He got there and I said, how was it? He goes, I've got so many emotions right now. I'm like, tell me what that means. He said, I, we've just gone through so many impoverished areas. He said, it's been, you know, on this, you see, you know, if you've ever been to another country, it's just the roughest ride and you're trying to dodge, you know, uh, potholes and it was pouring rain at one point and you're behind big trucks. And, I, and every time I've been in those countries, you got to roll the window down and they're using diesel fuel and you just feel like, and he said, I, we had to stop twice. I had to throw up twice, you know. And then I got a, a video of him preaching the gospel. How bad do you want it? I shared with a couple of close friends of mine. We have a, a Milan Sen who's in Nepal, a 30, young 30-something guy. And um, this past week, he went into a, a people group uh, called the Rate. R-A-U-T-E. They live in the forest. They have no homes. They have no no means of covering themselves, so they just use sticks and if they can find canvas and stuff like that. But they have never heard the gospel. In the history of the people, of the Rate people, when you come in as a stranger, they will either run from you or attack you. And I said, are you sure you want to go? And he asked me, do you want to go with me? I said, I'll be praying for you. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he went. And, um, and he brought with him. He said, we have to love them. So we, we purchased a whole truckload of rice because there's elections going on. Elections in these countries are very difficult. Uh, they're very intense. So these people are starving. They haven't had food. And so I just want to show you one, a 60-second clip of his journey and when he gets there to these people. And uh, at the end, he's preaching. You want to understand it because it's in Nepalese. Uh, you want to understand it. But he's standing beside this stack of rice bags. And I said, what are you telling them? He said, here's what I told him. Uh, 
This rice is going to run out a month from now. But I've come to tell you a message about a Savior who won't run out. Think about that. Uh, How bad do you want it? Well, for these guys, this bad. After a long journey, we arrived here uh, at this mountainous village. uh, And you can see uh, a group of people over here living in this uh, like a narrow okay, uh, place, you know, bank of the river. And th- these, these are the group that they never heard about Jesus. So um, we are here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. My friend, the situation is totally different than ours, you know. They need to hear and they need to receive the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus also died for them, you know, my friend. <laughs> How's that? How's that? Um, they call the, um, this group of people is outside the government of Nepal. They call the leader the king. And the king has said, will you come back and share more of the gospel with us? And so amazing, amazing what God's doing. Two other areas I want to quickly cover. First of all, Jesus is praying for the unbelievers. Second of all, Jesus is intervening for those of us who believe because he understands the spiritual warfare. The spiritual warfare. There are things going on right now, even as we sit here in the peace and the comfort and the safety of this room. Local police forces are protecting us, areas that we don't even know. We have the CIA and the NSA and the FBI and probably a few other Homeland Security and other letters. We have Navy SEALs. We have uh, military around this world and operations that we have zero idea about. But because we have zero idea about it doesn't mean it's not happening. And the reason I say that is because sometimes we only equate our spirituality, our, our Christianity with things we can see. But there are so many things going on behind the scenes, this, the, what the Bible calls spiritual warfare. And I want you to, to, to see what Jesus was praying on earth in John 17 when he was praying. He says to the Father, I will remain in the world no longer. But they, the, his disciples, he's praying at this point in the prayer for the 11 disciples. But they are still in the world and now I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, his authority, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. There was an intersection that Jesus had with Peter, sometimes called Simon in the Bible. Think about this conversation that Jesus had with Simon on earth, on earth, Luke 22. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, 
But I have prayed, I have intervened for you, I have interceded for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. I mean, if you're Peter, you're like, what? That Satan is asked to sift me? I didn't get I didn't catch that memo. I didn't get I didn't catch the email. I didn't when did he do that? Oh, see, you're not aware of of the things. See, when when absolute tragedy happens that has happened in our country this week that's happening around the world it's happening in ukraine and many areas that we're not aware of you know media focuses on the the places they want us or they they that that are important but there are many other things going on in africa right now thousands and tens of thousands of people being murdered it just doesn't happen to be on the news because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening would you agree and because of that what what's happening in those places that is that it, even in the tragedies of life, there is a greater tragedy, and that's when people lose their faith in God because of the earthly tragedies happening. You may have experienced a death recently. You may be going through a divorce right now. You may, be, uh, uh, you may feel guilty for some of the things you've done, or maybe there's a tragedy. Maybe you've lost your home. Maybe you've lost your job. And all those, those things are extremely difficult. I get it. What is more important to you is your relationship with God because news breaking moment here, bad stuff is going to happen to every single one of us. It's going to happen. You can't escape it. And the Bible, in a way, says it builds character that we shouldn't escape it. Nobody should, should go interview Billy Graham in his day. And he would say, yeah, let me tell you all these things, these challenges, things that happen. But in the midst of that, because we're not going to be exempt. When you become a Christian, you're not exempt from bad things happening in your life or hard things happening in your life. But in those moments, there's something greater going on at, at a spiritual realm that we can't see. And that's your enemy wants to take you down. We're told that he's like a, a roaring lion waiting to see who he might deflate, discourage, devour. It doesn't matter what he uses. An unexpected death, a job loss, where you're like, okay, whatever, God's not on my side. No, God is not only on your side. He's praying for you in the spiritual warfare. Here's what our enemy does. We see a little glimpse of him in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, that is our enemy, the accusers of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God every day and every night has now been hurled down. That's the end of the story. In other words, your enemy is standing before God, pointing his finger like, you see what Steve's doing? You see his motives? See how he's selfish? See how that's going? That is your enemy. Don't take it lightly. Even if you're like, dude, that's like beyond, that blows my mind. I get it. It is mind-blowing. But our enemy is that way. I have to remind myself, by the way, when I'm being critical of others, I am acting like my enemy more than my Savior. Just thought I'd throw that in. 
There's a crazy passage in the book of Zechariah. We don't see that very often. We don't read it very often. But Zechariah is prophesying. Watch this. In the Old Testament. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest. Not the Joshua of the book of Joshua. There's another Joshua, okay? Joshua the high priest. He had a high uh, priest standing before the angel of the Lord, which is often a, um, a phrase for Jesus. Okay, so we have Joshua standing before Jesus. The Lord said, uh, and, and, st- and Satan, standing at his right side, there he is again, to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, I'm going to intervene. I'm going to intervene. Because when I look at Steve McCoy, what I see is the blood of Jesus Christ. Your accusations mean nothing. It's like the evidence in the courtroom. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we go any further, I have some circumstantial evidence. It's called Jesus on the cross. That's the evidence. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Why is this important for you? To know that Jesus, when you think, oh, I can't take it anymore. I can't, I can't, you know, if you're traumatized right now, understand that God is not only on your side, but again, God is intervening for you so that you won't lose the bigger battle, which is the spiritual battle. Here's the here's summary of this, Romans chapter 8. So if God is for us and praying for us and interceding, who can be against us? Who can bring any charge? The accuser? Let's say it out loud so all the spiritual realm can hear it right now from the word of God. Who can stand against those who are in Christ? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is the, he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life. There it is again. And is at the right hand of God. And he is interceding for us. Man, you think the, 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 the spiritual warfare and you're, you're down to your last toothpick, your last thread. Understand that Christ is on his knees for you. Here's the final thing. I'm just going to spend 60 seconds on it because it's going to dovetail to next week. What happens when you blow it? Now, I don't know because I never have. (laughs) You have a God who's thinking of you. You know, by the way, when when you're in your 20s, you're worried about what people think of you. And then when you get into your 40s, you're like, you really don't worry. You don't care about what people are thinking about you. And then when you get in your 60s, you realize that actually nobody was thinking about you. So <laughs> it uh, works out pretty good the older you get. Here's something really cool. Jesus is thinking about you. Seven billion people. How can he do that? Oh, he can do that. What happens when you blow it? First John to my dear children, I write this to you. So you're not going to sin. Okay. That's it. But if anybody does sin, we have a lawyer. We have a lawyer. We have one who speaks to the father in our defense. See, Christ just didn't die on the cross and said, it's finished. 
No, you're still living it out. It's not finished for you. And when you blow it, that's the image. Christ is on his knees saying, hey, Father, let me, let me intervene here. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning at one minute, at one with God, sacrifice for our sins. And not only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you, God, for this word today and for giving us a picture of what's going on right now in heaven. And you gave us that picture at even while you were here. So it's not any different than what you're doing there. You prayed for sinners here. You prayed for the spiritual war. You intervened for the spiritual warfare here. You, you prayed for us to intervene for us when we sin here. So God, we know you're doing it there. And we're thankful for Jesus, our advocate, our lawyer, our intervener, our intercessor, our prayer. Father, I pray for those who are coming, they're exploring you, they're looking for you. And I hope today that you've surprised them by your word, that you have, you have given to them a, perhaps a different picture that has been in their head, that our God not only loves them so much to die on the cross for all of their sins, completely saving them, but is on, their, on his knees. Would you come, as I speak to the room and speak to those at home, would you come to him now? Does this picture of who Jesus is change your mind? Change your heart? Were you afraid to come to God? Do you see God now? Can you see Jesus now? Not just hanging on a cross for you, but bowing his knee for you, begging the Father today, Father, today. He wants all men, all women, all children, all teenagers to come to be saved. Is that you today? And if it is, put everything aside right now. Your arguments your clutter, your pain, your success. Just set it aside right now and speak to God. Something like this, Father, I come to you right now. I don't even know exactly what all this means, but I come to you right now. And instead of trusting in any other thing, myself, religion, trying to be good enough, I transfer 100% of my trust on Christ. Would that be your prayer? Maybe you would say to God, I'm tired of living the life I'm, I'm living. I'm tired, I'm tired of the search. I'm tired of the churning inside. And so God, I come to you and I, I take the life I'm living and I want to turn it in. I want an exchange. I want your new life in me. I want you to drive. I want you to be Lord. How about that to be your prayer today, in your own language, from your heart to God's? Oh, come to him. He's on his knees for you. Come to him. He's on his knees for you. Father, for those of us believed who believe, 
pray, God, that we'll, we'll see you today on your knees. We'll realize that, that sharing our faith, fighting the spiritual warfare, whatever those things, God, thank you for being for us in a way that maybe we never realized. Thanks for being for us and not against us. We love you. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.